0: Hello, my name is Einar Skolseig, and I've been a member of Grace Community Church for 26 years, along with my wife, Jen. We have two young adult sons, Andy and Lucas, and they've been a part of Grace Community their entire lives. I'm honoured that I've been asked to come and share God's word with you. I hope my words will be a source of encouragement and of edification for you. But before I get started, I'd like to pray together. God of goodness and grace, thank you for the freedom to proclaim your word in this wonderful country of ours. And thank you for the technology that makes it possible for us to connect even during a pandemic. I pray that your will be done through the words I'm about to say. Amen. Well, in addition to being a member at Grace, I'm also a teacher who loves the outdoors. So you can find me oftentimes out walking my dog on the the trails around town. Uh, I'm also a big mountain biker, so you can spot me throwing some mud around out at Guelph Lake. And I enjoy paddling my canoe up and down uh, the Speed or the Aramasa Rivers right in town. So it should come as no surprise then, with my vocation as a teacher and my interest in the outdoors, that I'm also a scout leader. Now there's a whole story behind how I got roped into it. When my two boys uh, joined as beaver uh, scouts, way back many years ago, uh, and when my son had his first camp, all the parents and the leaders were crowded into the kitchen while we were peeking into the cabin to see if the kids were falling asleep. And we're eating pop, or drinking pop, eating chips, and I guess uh, the mood just got to me. So when the the beaver leader came and said, hey, do you want to be a leader? I said, sure, why not? And I've never looked back. So over 15 years later, my sons have moved on from Scouts, but I've stayed on as a leader. Why? Uh, Well, my wife would say it's because I'm just a big kid looking for an excuse to go on crazy adventures. I'd prefer to think Uh, that it's because I love the outdoors and I have a real burden for building into young people's lives. But I'll let you decide who's right. But what I like about the scouting movement is that its goal is to develop people of integrity, to become positive and productive members of our society and to become the leaders of tomorrow. I love being a part of this process because integrity is a quality that is so important to me. And it's so satisfying to see young people building this trait into their lives. But what does this word integrity mean? I think we all have a general sense of what it means and that we know it's something good. It's something that we'd like to see more of in the world. But what is it exactly? Is it telling the truth? Is it being honest? Or is it something more? Well, dictionary.com defines the term integrity this way. It says it's the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. And uh, I went and looked in the uh, Merriam-Webster dictionary as well, and they offer up these synonyms for the word integrity. So there's character, decency, goodness, honesty, virtue, and righteousness. I mean, who wouldn't want more of that in your life? Now, I did some additional research, and I came across an interesting essay that was written by Stephen L. Carter. He's an author and a law professor from Yale University. And in his essay called The Insufficiency of Honesty, he describes integrity as the following three-step process. He says that it's to discern what is right and wrong, to act on what you've discerned, even if it's at personal cost. And it's to say openly that you're acting on your understanding of what is right and what is wrong. So I found this three-step process, very interesting. But as a Christian, I was wondering how it lined up with the Bible. So I did some digging around, and I think I came across a passage that will allow us to cross-reference this three-step process and see if it is in line uh, with Scripture. So I'd like to read that Scripture for you now. It's 1 John chapter 1. So I'm going to read the entirety of the chapter in the NIV version, and then we'll come back and we'll break down the text uh, in detail after that. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from Him and declare to you, God is light. In Him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live We make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. Well, this chapter is is very full. But perhaps the most important idea in this chapter is that John urges followers of Jesus to walk in the light. I just find that this is such a descriptive and powerful metaphor. Because if someone is literally walking in the light... Anyone who is looking at him will see everything that he is doing. And this sounds a lot like integrity to me, where what you see is what you get. So going forward, I'm going to equate the idea of walking in the light with the idea of living a life of integrity. But what about Carter's three steps to integrity? He says that his first step is discerning what is right and what is wrong. Well, if we go back to our text that I just read, John explains what this light is all about when he says the following in verse 5. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. And when John urges us as Christians to walk in the light, he is implying that we need to figure out what is light, that is what's right, and what is wrong, or what is darkness, and, and in other words, what is wrong. And in addition, he says that we need to choose to walk in the light. So, those two statements sound a lot like discerning what's right and wrong, and then acting on what we've discerned. So, it seems like Carter might be on the right track with his three points. But what about his third step? He says, say openly that you're acting on your understanding of what is right and wrong. Now, to me, this sounds a lot like telling the truth. And John had much to say about truth in, in 1 John chapter 1. And I'll come back to it a, late, a little later on. But it does appear that Carter's third step also aligns up with Scripture. So I would argue that Carter's three-step process to integrity, integrity is worth considering from a biblical perspective. So just to summarize again, that's to discern what is right and wrong, to act on what you've discerned, even at personal cost, and to tell the truth about what you've done. Now, this is a very demanding process to follow. How how can we even manage to live this out in our lives? And, you know, the question I've been asking as I've been preparing this message is, do we even want to try to live this out in our lives? Because anyone who makes a claim that there is something that's right and wrong, and then says that she or he is going to live their lives according to this standard, is definitely being countercultural these days. That person will be watched closely by others to see if they're actually practicing what they're preaching and if they fall short and make a mistake. Others can become critical and maybe even accuse them of being a hypocrite. So, what do we do then? Well, I'd like to share a personal experience with you to illustrate this predicament and hopefully give you some hope for the situation and some, uh, some ideas to follow on how to navigate this. So when my kids were younger, so I'd say around three to six years old, uh, we as a family decided to start watching the Star Wars movies. So we ended up watching the first three Star Wars movies. Now I'm talking about the movies that were recorded back in the 70s and the 80s. So Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, and the Return of the Jedi. So we watched those as a family and had so much fun discovering Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, R2-D2, C-3PO, and Yoda. Now, um, soon after this, a couple of days later, while my wife uh, was at work on a night shift at the hospital, I decided without talking to her that uh, the boys and I would watch The next movie that was made, uh, of course, it was made many years later, and I'm talking about the Star Wars movie, The Phantom Menace. So that night, we sat down, we watched the movie. I didn't think much about it, um, and then we went to bed. So the next morning, when Mom came home after a night shift, she asked us like she normally would, hey, what did you do last night? And I said, hey, we watched The Phantom Menace. Then she looked at me in disbelief, And I couldn't really understand why. Now, uh, uh, my wife and I had watched the movie previously, so we knew what what had happened. Um, And she started recounting some of the scenes of the movie. Darth Maul the villain and how scary he was and the fact that he got sliced in half by a lightsaber. And soon my heart was sinking and I thought, man, did I do the right thing here watching the movie with them?" But inside I was trying to to just uh, convince myself that, that it was okay. Anyway, it was kind of left at that. A few days passed and I was at home again with the boys and uh, mom was at work and the phone rang. And it was focused on the family calling and they were doing a survey about what your family watches on TV. I, I couldn't believe it. I reluctantly decided or agreed to do the survey. And uh, so they began by asking some questions about family, number of kids, how old they were, and all that sort of thing. And then they went right for the hard hitting question What is the last movie that you've watched as a family? So now I didn't know what to say. So now I didn't know what to say. I was conflicted. I was still feeling like we shouldn't have watched the movie. I was in turmoil. And after I thought it over, I answered twice. As soon as I said this, as soon as i said this the voice on the other end of the line said aha i got you at that moment i recognized recognized my wife's voice i was stunned i I don't know why i didn't recognize her voice soon and she certainly wasn't trying to entrap me she she just was calling from work to see how things were going and starting with the survey of the joke, but when she realized I didn't recognize her voice, she just went with it right to the very end of the joke. uh, So at first, I felt embarrassed. Family because I didn't did even recognize my own wife's year. voice and then they went uh, right but I, I am quite question. gullible at well, times, so was that, that wasn't so surprising but that embarrassment so was soon replaced with with a deeper shame I that I, I had actually lied to focus on the family or to movie, my wife unknowingly and, and after that was out there so what was on my heart came out and I felt defenseless vulnerable as soon as I said this And And there was absolutely nothing I could do about it. You know, I blew it and, you know, we all blow it at times. So does that mean that we, we shouldn't even try? I mean, is it better to say, hey, I'm being honest and I'll never measure up, I'll never get it perfect, so I'm not even going to try? Now, if we go back to the scripture we looked at earlier, I don't think that's what it says. Because if, if we take a look at verse 8 more closely, uh, let's, let's just see what it does say. It says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So you see, God knows that we will fall short. But he still asks us to walk in the light all the same. Now this is a tough message. So how can we try to live with integrity while, at the same time, trying not to be a hypocrite when we blow it? Well, let's read a little further in the text and see if there's anything that can help us with this. So if we go to verse 9 now and we go over what it says, uh, Paul tells, or uh, John tells us, If we confess our sins, He, that is God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So by speaking truthfully about how we are doing, on acting on our discernment of what is right and wrong, and confessing and repenting when we have done something wrong, we can continue to walk in the light. And it even gets better. So if we go back a couple of verses to verse 7, there's a wonderful promise from God in this verse. And it says, but if we walk in the light, As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' Son purifies us from all sin. This is a gift that God offers to everyone, to give us a second chance when we make mistakes. His Son, Jesus, who was without sin, died on a cross as payment for all the wrong things that you or I have done. And all we need to do is accept this gift as ours. So this is how we can walk in the light and live with integrity while we know that we're still going to be messing up along the way. It's by being humble and honest and relying on God's grace. So, now coming back to my example that I was talking about earlier, what I did is I came back in humility and confessed my sin to God and to my wife and to my kids. Now, this is hard because even if it's people that really love you, when you tell them that you've done something wrong, they're going to be disappointed, angry, sad, maybe a combination of all of these feelings. And in their eyes, in some way, you will seem more diminished or less. And this is very humbling. But because living a life of integrity is difficult, but as we have seen, the rewards are great, I want to share a few ideas that I think can help you and me be more successful at living a life of integrity. So I think if you're a follower of Jesus, the first step to a life of integrity is allowing God to work in your life. So if we go back to our text today in verse 3, we'll see that John says, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. So to live with integrity, we need to live with a posture of humility before God and I would like to add as well uh, a posture of humility in front of others and acknowledging that we are not always right. Secondly, we need to prepare ourselves to live lives of integrity. A life of integrity does not happen accidentally. Now, Fred Rogers, also known as Mr. Rogers, is someone who strikes me as an individual who displayed a strong sense of self-discipline to prepare to be good, as he would say, every day. Now, uh, if you've had a chance to see the movie of his life, Um, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, where he's played by Tom Hanks. You'll have noticed that there's a couple of scenes in the movie that that illustrate how we prepared to greet each day to be good. So he would get up long before sunrise and swim in a pool to get his mind and his body uh, clear and ready for the day. And then he would uh, pray and read his Bible diligently. So, though he wasn't perfect, Mr. Rogers' life was a shining example of integrity. And we too can benefit from such spiritual disciplines as we try to live lives of integrity. So, reading the Bible daily will help you and I to prepare to more easily and quickly discern what are the right things to do in the heat of the battle as things come at us during the day. And humble prayer before God will help you and I to have the strength and the wisdom to act on the right things that we've discerned to do. Now there's a third spiritual discipline that I'm going to throw in that you might not be expecting, and that's serving others. So I've always considered service to be an important element of the Christian life, but it it has been suggested to me recently that serving others in an intentional and regular way is a spiritual discipline in itself that helps keep us grounded and humble. And because being humble is such an important part about li- uh, of living a life of integrity, I just encourage you to consider service of others as a spiritual di- discipline to practice as well. So it's essential to let God work in our lives. It's important for us to work on our own spiritual growth, but it's also vital that we seek out others for encouragement, growth, and accountability. So if we go back to our text down, 1 John, and we look at verse 7 again, it says But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So when two people decide to build into each other's lives to become more Christ like, we call this sort of fellowship uh, discipleship. So whether you're a newer believer and you decide to partner with a believer who's more mature, perhaps you're the more mature believer partnering with a believer who's newer to the faith, or maybe uh, you're kind of partnered with somebody who's at the same stage as you, everyone in this relationship benefits. This relationship can be a source of encouragement because as I said earlier and as we discussed, trying to live a life of integrity and a a Christ-like life is difficult. So having someone to encourage you is so important. So I'd like to take a look at what it says about this in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. So we'll step out of 1 John for a moment and go and see what King Solomon had to say about discipleship and helping one another. So this is what's written in chapter 4 of Ecclesiastes. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. So, what words of encouragement to go and seek encouragement from uh, another believer? But this discipleship relationship can also be a source of growth. Two people who are allowing God to work in their lives can be a source of edification, one for the other. Now, edification means the improvement of a person morally or intellectually. So edification can take place by what's said between individuals, but sometimes, I think even more importantly, it's how each person lives 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 of integrity out in front of the other. Makes me think of what St. Francis of Assisi said long, long ago. Preach always, and if necessary, use words. Now, finally, this discipleship relationship can be a source of accountability. A partner can hold you accountable for the goals you've set for spiritual growth and goals you've set for spiritual disciplines like reading your Bible regularly and praying. In addition, a partner in a discipleship relationship can be someone who provides you with a place to confess and repent when you blow it. So, coming back to my example again, in hindsight, I'm very glad that I told my kids about lying over the phone to their mom or to focus on the family and that I thought that I made a poor decision in watching the movie with them. Now, I know that decision to come clean with them affected how my kids viewed me momentarily at that time, but I really believe that my decision to walk in the light that day was honored by God. Because the reality is, as my kids have grown up, they've realized that I'm not perfect, that I'm far from perfect anyway. And being honest about that has been much more of a witness in their lives, and can be to others around us, than hiding behind a facade of perfection. You know, we still tell the story of the fake Focus on the Family phone survey, and we laugh about it today. And my kids have reassured me That Darth Maul was not that scary, and that the movie did not scar them for life. E.T., on the the other hand, was (laughs) terrifying to them. So it just goes to show you, uh, as hard as we try, we can never get it perfect 100% of the time. So, just to recap, seek wisdom and discern what is right and wrong. Have the courage to act... On what you've discerned even at personal cost and be honest about how you're doing with the whole process. Now if you've already made a decision in your life to follow Jesus Christ, I encourage you to lean on him daily for wisdom to discern what is right and wrong, for courage to act on what you've discerned and for grace for those times when you blow it. Now, if you have not made a decision yet to follow Jesus, I invite you to do so today. And I invite you by remembering what our text has told us this morning. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God is willing to forgive you and I because of what his son Jesus has done for us at the cross. And don't forget what the text told us as well this morning. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. By following Jesus and accepting his gift of forgiveness and grace, God will free you to pursue a life of integrity with hope and joy and we'll give you the strength to walk in the length. Thank you.